Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. We're discussing Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. We're on the 72nd Anucheta. The universe is not destroyed in Achyantika Laya. So before we enter this Anucheta, let's go back over what it means when we talk about the Naroda aspect of existence. So if we look back to the second canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam and summing that canto up in the tenth chapter, the first verse, we get an introduction, well, a summation basically of the ten major topics of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Atra Sargas, Visargas Cha, Stanam Posadam Utaya, Manvantare Shanukatha, Narodo Muktir Ashraya. So this term Naroda means um, devastation that comes there at the end. So first we have Sarga, the preliminary creation. Atra Sarga, Visarga, the secondary creation, the creation by Brahma. So first you have the manifestation of the material universes from the Lord himself and then you have Brahma's creation within each individual universe. So, Atrasargas Visargas Cha. Stanam. Stanam means that there is an arrangement for all the living entities according to their, to their desire within the material manifestation. They're provided with facility. So, Stanam. Sustenance. Every living entity is sustained in every way by the environment. It's not just that they're fed. They're fed, they're clothed, they're provided a habitat, they're given a mentality to fulfill their desires. Stunham's pretty comprehensive. Posidum, at least in the eyes of the Devotee is the protection of the Lord given to the devotee. So the Lord does discriminate as far as those that turn their consciousness toward him. He reciprocates. Uh, All of them as they surrender unto me, I reward accordingly. So Posadam speaks to this, to this fact that as we turn our consciousness towards the Supreme, he does reciprocate. And as we turn our consciousness away from the Supreme, he also reciprocates. He gives us all facility to forget him. So he's taking care of every living entity according to their desires. So we really can't say it's discrimination on his part. The discrimination is on the part of the living entity. Um, Utaya. Uh, we have some agency, utaya. We have some ability to perform acts uh, within our environment. So all that kind of activity falls under the heading of, of utaya, that we're given a facility to act within the Lord's creation. Manvantareshu, uh, there's a leadership, there's a management system within the universe. 
all the universes, and uh, that management system manifests primarily through the Manvantaras, which is meaning a period of time wherein one Manu, basically a, the king of mankind, you could say, uh, he he's the agent through which um, human society is regulated. He's not alone. So there's a whole system of management within the universes, and that entails uh, Manu, a particular Manu. He's in charge for uh, a particular amount of time, 17 cycles of the four yugas. So there's uh, uh, 14 Manus. I'm sorry, 71 cycles, not 17. 71 cycles of the four yugas. There's 14 Manus and one day of Brahma. One day of Brahma is 1,000 cycles of the four yugas together. So uh, Manu's around for a long time. Uh, we're in the uh, seventh Manvantara now. So a uh, little bit over midway, we know that Krishna appears in the middle of Brahma's life. I'm sorry, in the middle of Brahma's day, Krishna's stu Bhagavan Swayam, the original Supreme Personality of Godhead, advents in every day of Brahma, midday, around noon. So around noon would mean during that seventh Manvantara, um, pretty close to the, to the beginning of that Manvantara. Um, Manvantareshu Anukatha that is referring to the advent or the descent of the Lord Yada Yadahi Dharma Shyaglanir Bhavati Bharata I again advent myself again and again so uh, not only is there a Manu to regulate but Krishna also comes himself to, well, he says, reestablish the principles of religion. He does that in a lot of different ways. But this is referring to all those different ways, all those different advents of the Supreme. Uh, coming to assure that, uh, that things are going on properly. Now, sometimes that happens in an indirect way. As we were speaking in the last class, you may have an advent of the Lord which appears to be totally in opposition to the principles of godliness or the principles of the Vedas, which is, which is, the, you know, which is the primary manifestation of the direction of the Lord in human society. So you have a you have a misuse of those directions and you have a Buddha. Oh, throw the Vedas out. Throw out my scripture. So God's coming in himself. You know, coming in appears to be acting in opposition to his very own manifestation in other ways. So, um, Anukatha. And, of course, when he comes, there's a lot of stories. So, the Katha, 
He's not here all the time. But the katha, the katha, that endures. So although the Lord is manifest and unmanifest, he's coming and he's going, or he's disappearing from our vision, the katha endures. So he's always with us in that way through the discussion of his advents. So anukatha. Then we come to the word which is representative of where Jiva Goswami is going to go this evening uh, in this 72nd uh, Anucheda. And what he's going to do here is he's going to talk about a very important point regarding the different types of devastation, Naroda. And his point will be he's going to use his arguments here to again refute uh, Vivartavad, the fact that the world is an illusion, because one would think that when 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 there is a breaking from from material involvement, when there is a liberation. So one would think when there's a liberation, then, well, if it was all just as we have heard that the Advaitins believe, if the material manifestation was all just an illusion, then when you're realized, when you attain mukti, when there's a devastation of your involvement in material life, then... It would just be like you'd snap a switch and the material world would disappear. So that's kind of where Jiva Goswami is going tonight. That Well, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. We do not find that as, a, as, a, as something that actually transpires. Although we do see people become liberated. I won't get ahead of myself. Uh, uh, mukti is liberation itself. And so, Naroda, Mukti, Ashraya. So, this is the tenth subject, Ashraya, the supreme shelter of all those other subjects of the Bhagavatam. <clears throat> so, primarily for the knowledge and the presentation that Jiva Goswami is going to give in, regarding, in, re, in regards to Naroda, the destruction, is based upon what's presented in the twelfth canto, fourth chapter, where these four, where there are four kinds of destruction are described. So I just want to go over the verses that describe the four destructions so that we are we familiar familiar familiarize ourselves with these four kinds of destruction because that the Bhagavatam doesn't speak of just one destruction. The Bhagavatam speaks of four. Well what are those four? So we'll go to the first of the four. Um, this is called Mimitika or occasional annihilation 
during which the original creator, Lord Narayan, lies down upon the bed of Anantasesh and absorbs the universe within himself, while Lord Brahma also enters. So, this is uh, one of the destructions, Namitika, um, and this is the end of Brahma's day, when one thousand cycles of four yugas has completed, that's one day of Brahma. So the 71 yuga cycles and 14 manvantaras, then you have the end of Brahma's day, and the Lord absorbs a large portion of the material manifestation as Garbhodakshai Vishnu. All 14 divisions of planetary systems are annihilated. And the method of annihilation is, is, is a huge universal fire. It's a blaze, a blaze that must be quite amazing because the four, besides the 14 planetary systems, there's also four upper planetary systems for the really, really, you know, the realized people within the universe. Mahaloka, Janaloka, Tapaloka, and then there's Brahma's own planet, Satyaloka. So these four upper planetary systems are there. They are not destroyed during this Namitika pralaya, or this destruction. They, they remain. But all the inhabitants of the lower of those four upper planetary systems, Mahaloka, it gets a little hot for them. <laughs> and it says that they leave their own planetary system and they go up to Janaloka during the devastation. So, one kind of devastation is at the end of Brahma's day. <clears throat> The annihilation, this is verse 22 of the fourth chapter of the twelfth canto, the annihilation is called prakritika when the energies belonging to the supreme person and prakriti disassembled by the force of time merge together totally. So this is the end of the material manifestation as a whole. So all the different Universes. Even those upper, upper ones? No, no, no. We're now we're way past that. We, we're, the upper planetary systems were in one universe. So they now we're talking about a destruction of all the universes. So this is like this is the big one. So, so the other one was just one universe being destroyed. The universe isn't destroyed. It's Brahma goes to sleep, and the fourteen planetary systems. Yeah. enter into Garbhodakshai Vishnu and he lays down on Anantasesha and Brahma also enters into him but at that time. But his not destroyed. Huh? But his planet's not destroyed. Interesting. But the Bhagavatam says here that he enters into Garbhodakshai Vishnu. Then he comes back out and he's placed on a lotus and he yeah. does it all again at the beginning of his next day. He creates the universe and the bodies again. He's the creator. 
But who? But those upper ones are still intact while that all while he goes to bed. They're still there because those those the entities that are on the upper planetary system, they're like the best of the yogis. I mean, they're in samadhi. They're living. They're very jhana loka. They're fully knowledgeable, like the Kumars. They're fully knowledgeable and tapa loka. They've performed all austerities. They have all mystic opulences. So what are the two different verses so far? Uh, the verses are the fourth verse. And this is Bhagavatam chapter 12. Canto 12, chapter 4, verse 4. Then we jump to verse 22. Now we'll go to 34. Understand what's happening here. This is an interesting part of the Bhagavatam because Sukadeva Goswami is really prepping. He's presented the whole Bhagavatam. So now he's really preparing Maharaj Parikshit for death. He's preparing him to be liberated. Because we'll find here also a verse wherein Sukadeva tells Maharaj Parikshit that, yes, the snake bird's going to come. And he's going to lick your feet and he's going to, but you, you, because you will be, because you'll be fully self-realized, you will not be affected in any way. You're, you're not going to be, don't be afraid because I'm giving you knowledge, this final knowledge now to where you won't be affected in any way because you're going to be liberated. So in discussing his liberation, these the topic of all the different destructions because he's going to destroy his conception of self as related to the material body. Sukadev Goswami is preparing him so that when this bird of death, snake bird, comes to attack, it's not going to he's not going to be affected. He's already going to destroy his false conception of self, and with a true conception of self. He's not going to see a distinction. He's going to see all this is, is the supreme. Now for him, he's a devotee, because he, so he'll be able to see it all as coming directly from Krishna. He's going to see Krishna in everything, including the snake bird that's coming to, to destroy him. So he's not going to be affected the way someone else would be affected. So these, a lot of... A lot of discussion is going to come out here that will be very interesting for us. So the next verse, O king, when the illusory false ego that binds the soul has been cut off with the sword of discrimination, discriminating knowledge, and one remains with firm meditation on Achuta, the supreme soul, it is called Ayantika Pralaya. Ayantika Pralaya. This basically is what Jiva Goswami is referring to and what he's going to refer to in this, this Anacheda, Ajantika. So this is, this is the ultimate destruction. It actually trumps all other destruction. It's the destroyer of all destroyers. If you can get to this stage of destroying your false identification with the world, then this is the ma- this is the big one, and then there's also other destructions. Then there's the nitya, nitya pralaya. Experts in the subtle workings of nature, o subduer of the enemy, 
have declared that there are continuous processes of creation and annihilation, that all created beings, beginning with Brahma, constantly undergo. And this was, an, this was explained not only as the constant destruction of one body, or destroying one body and entering another body, we think that that's a, that's a big one, that's a big destruction. But really, our body is destructed and reconstructed continually. We're constantly going through annihilation. It's, it's a constant, so it's nitya. From boyhood to youth to old age, we just don't see it as an immediate cutoff, but it, it's a different body at every time. In fact, I think even, what is it, modern science says seven years, years, there's no cells that we currently have in the body that are in in the body seven years from now. So it's constantly going through changes. So that's nitya, nitya pralaya. So four kinds of pralaya. Brahma goes to sleep. All the universes are wrapped up. We constantly change our bodies and... We can be liberated. We can destroy our false identification with the world. Uh, these are summed up in the 38th verse of that fourth uh, chapter of the 12th canto. In this way, the progress of time is described in terms of four kinds of annihilation. Continual bodies, occasional night of Brahma, elemental destruction of the universe, at the end of Brahma's life, and final liberation. With that knowledge, we will go into what Jiva Goswami presents here. The way he presents it is to refute this conception that the world is just an illusion. In this way, according to Srimad Bhagavatam, the total dissolution is included in the doctrine called Satkaryavad. But in the ultimate dissolution, so total dissolution as, as presented in this Anucheta is at the end of the manifestation of all the universes. So all the universes are coming out of Karna, Daksha, Vishnu, and there they, they go, and then he draws them all back in. So that's a total. Does, does, that's a total. But there's an ultimate one, and the ultimate one is when you're ultimately done with it, individually. So that's the ultimate dissolution, as when you tie, when you destroy all, all the ties that bind yourself to material existence. But in the ultimate dissolution, Atyantika Laya, characterized as liberation, the material elements such as earth are not destroyed. It is illogical that these elements, which are real products of the inherent potency of Paramatma, could be destroyed by a jiva. And, moreover, merely by ideation, Bhavana, as per the process of liberation described by Advaita Vad. This is understood, understood from scriptural evidence confirming that the portions 
of the gross elements that form the bodies of those who attained liberation, such as King Parichit, continued to exist even after awaking to the liberated state. Remember, Maharaj Parikshit attained liberation by hearing. He heard from Sukadeva Goswami. Sukadeva attained ultimate liberation by speaking. As I said, we're coming to the point where Sukadeva's about done with his instructions to Maharaj Parikshit. Maharaj Parikshit is about to meet death head on. And for Sukadeva to be successful in his discourse and for Parikshit to be successful in his hearing, Maharaj Parikshit is going to have to attain liberation before death. Otherwise, he wouldn't have attained success by hearing. So his success is not going to come when he meets death. His success is coming as he's hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. And the full attainment of his success is there when Sukadeva Goswami has completed his discourse. Maharaj Parikshit has attained liberation. And then his mother says, Don't die yet. Could you tell me what you heard? <laughs> and then we have Brihat Bhagavatamrita, another Bhagavatam presented. So he's already liberated. Jiva Goswami continues, Additionally, the subtle elements such as intellect, which are part of Haranyagarbha, will also continue to exist. Therefore, it is the abandonment of the misidentification with the gross and subtle bodies alone that is called ultimate dissolution, yantika laya. So where's Jiva going with all this? He continues, Thus, even in the following verses, it is only the relation with the material adjunct, upadi, that is being given up. The material adjunct itself is not being established as illusory. The idea that I'm a material body is being given up. Krishna says that in the beginning. Of, that's where we begin and that's where we end. He begins by saying you're not that body and it takes us until we've until we've actually assimilated that knowledge to to understand what he meant when he said you're not that body. So Parikshit Maharaj is, is is going to attain that state, but he's still going to be in a material body. Now this is interesting. This is going to go somewhere that I'm sure you'll want to ask somebody of authority about. But um, <laughs> what comes out here is Parabdha Karma is gone, but Parikshit remains. His material body is, is, is gone. Now, this is an argument that's used. This is an argument that's used, and we'll, we'll get to that. So, then Jiva Goswami quotes another verse from the 12th canto. When a clay pot is broken, the space that was enclosed within the pot becomes simply open space. 
just as, as it was prior to delineation, delimitation, I'm sorry, in the same way, when the body perishes, the jiva again becomes Prabhan. And another verse, O Maharaj Parikshit, thus realizing your true nature, this is a very interesting verse, because he's telling him, basically tell him, don't be afraid. This is, this is what's, what, where you're going to be at. Thus realizing your true nature, Sukadev's talking to Maharaj Parikshit, and offering your very self to the Supreme Self, who is without any divisions, you will perceive neither the Taksaka snake, who is biting and licking your feet with its poisonous fangs, nor your own body, nor the universe as separate from the self. So, it kind of speaks to, well, you're going to become one with everything, but you're still going to be different because the snake's still there, the supreme self's still there, you're, you know, you're still there, but you're not going to experience a difference in such a way that the that you're going to experience a death. That you're going to, you know, you're basically you're you're liberated in your very self same body. The same is true in the section beginning with Bodhi and Indriya. There, Sri Sukha argues that the intellect, senses, and so on are produced from the inherent potency of Paramatma because he is their substratum, their illuminator, and that without which their existence would be impossible. So now a little, a little change in what Jeeva is presenting. Again from the 12th Canto. Consciousness alone shines forth in the form of the intellect, the senses, and their objects, being their substratum. This is because they are perceived by it and cannot exist independent of it. Whatever has a beginning and an end is unreal. This is really going to Again, through this whole section, Jiva Goswami keeps keeps us informed of the Achinta Beta Beta concept. That it's all Paramatma, but it's not. So, he presents both sides repeatedly through this whole section of the Paramatma Sandarva. The consciousness characterized as Paramatma alone shines forth in the form of the objects of the internal and external senses. This means that the objects, such as the intellect, are not separate from him because that consciousness forms their substratum, Tadashraya. He's the, he's the shelter of those. And in a couple of chedas, you're going to be really, it's, it's exciting the way Jiva explains how Paramatma is manifest through the mind, intelligence, and false ego. And again, what we 
what we kind of discussed last time regarding the nature of what is the heart of the, of the living entity. Mind, intelligence, false ego, the chitta, and how these are truly manifestations of the supreme. That he's the, he's the, he's the foundation upon which these things function. And that functioning is happening under his agency. The Chapter of Yuha. I'm getting ahead of myself. Because <laughs> I read ahead and then hoping that I'll cover a huge, vast amount of this in one class. But never quite getting there. Um, yet there remains an absolute distinction between them. So there's a distinction between the senses and their conscious substratum in the form of Paramatma. Just like that which exists between a king and his servants. Jiva Goswami uses in the Anacheta proper again that analogy from the Vishnu Purana just as the light of a fire situated in one place is diffused all around so does the energy of the Supreme Brahman pervade this whole universe. Using the analogy to to bring us to that understanding that just as the fire or a fire brand can illuminate the room, there's a distinction between the fire itself and its illumination, its ability to, to light up the room, its ability to heat the room. But there's a difference from that in the fire proper. So similarly, the supreme this is an analogy to the, to the workings of the Paramatma feature of the Supreme. But that which has a beginning and an end, at-yantavat, such as silver, and then again he's going back to the thing, if you're conceiving of a difference, there is real silver, there's that real substratum, there's that real underlying potency of the Supreme, and then there's also the illusory, where you're thinking that anything is separate from Paramatma, from his energies, like yourself. You are a manifestation of the Lord's energies. You're not something different. In one sense, you are God. In another sense, you are not God. But don't think of yourself as completely separated. Understand your true constitutional position. The problem is we, you know, navigating that properly. And this whole section of the Paramatma Sandarbha is meant to bring us to a proper navigation of the fact that we are and we aren't the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We're His Tathasta Shakti. But we have consciousness, mind, intelligence, false ego, a sense of self. We have all these things and He is the basis for all of it. So we have a lot in common with the consciousness of the Supreme. And, we have a, and He has a lot that's not common. A lot that's not common to our existence. So I wanted to bring out a couple things here. This is from the commentary. 
When one realizes Brahman, his ignorance about Brahman is removed. The universe is not the imagination of any jiva, but the real creation of Paramatma, and is thus not brought to an end by any jiva's enlightenment. So this is the point of the Anacheda, is to show that if ultimate dissolution is attained, and if we buy into the Vivartavad, that it's all an illusion, if it's all an illusion, and we attain liberation, then it's going to, the whole material world upon our liberation is going to dissolve. It's going to be gone. But we don't notice that as a practical experience. People do attain liberation. They do attain perfection. But the world doesn't vanish. The world continues. So it's another argument against Vivartavad, which basically says that you have created the world. You created it through your ignorance. Your ignorance alone has made this all happen. That's some strong ignorance. So this is Jiva's argument. We don't observe this practically. Look at Maharaj Pariksit. He attained perfection. He attained ultimate dissolution of his material existence. It was finished. But he continued. The Advaitins claim that the body of a Brahmin realized person does not dissolve because of his parabdha karma. This is one of their arguments. They still have parabdha karma even though they've attained liberation. The Brahmagyan destroys only the accumulated karma, not the parabdha karma. This also does not make sense because there have been jnanis like Sukadev and Vamadev, who were Brahman realized from their very birth. They were already fully self-realized. They had no parabdha karma. You can't look to that as a representative. They did not have parabdha karma to begin with, and yet they had bodies and experienced the objects of the world. Therefore, Sri Jiva Goswami concludes that the only ayantika laya ultimate dissolution or ultimate dissolution, mukti, is of ignorance and not of the universe itself. The universe goes on, but we should not look at the fully liberated soul who we can perceive in the world as being under the influence of parabdha karma. Oh, he you can see his body because he still has some parabdha. That's not in accordance with what Jiva's explaining here. The theory of Satkaryavad. The Satkaryavad. Satkaryavad. The real result is of any 
cause comes into the effect. Satkaryavad. This this is a nice paragraph in regards to that. The theory of Satkaryavad. The effect is within the cause, which maintains that the effect pre-exists in its material cause prior to its production, has three principal opponents. Namely, Vigyanavad, subject idealism, i.e. external objects are unreal, being no more than ideas in the mind. Which, basically, this whole Anucheta has... Your whole illusion of material existence is all in your mind. So that's the the Gyanavad. External, external everything is simply a manifestation of a mental construct. You've constructed it in your mind. And if you were to attain liberation, you just see that it, it really has no real existence. Then we go to Vivartavad, and we are pretty familiar with that means. The effect is unreal, a mere appearance of Brahman. And then we have Asat Karyavad. The effect is non-existent in its cause prior to its origination. In other words, the effect is the effect. It didn't need a cause. So Asat Karyavad means that there's nothing there. Asat. From Asat, we believe from Sat comes Sat. From the real comes real. They say from, from nothing you can get something. So it's an interesting Anocheta that we went over here tonight and we, we understand that it. it was just here again. Jiva Goswami saying, all right, let's look at this from another angle. You're saying that Vivartavad is a possibility. Well, let's look at it in terms of real examples of the dissolution, the ultimate dissolution. And the ultimate dissolution is when you are completely, you become self-realized in Brahman. According to your theory, the universe is false. It doesn't really exist. So therefore, when you become fully self-realized, the universe should dissolve. It's gone. It's simply an illusion. But we don't observe that practically, and that's what Jiva is saying. And here, take the example of Maharaj Pariksit. I'll stop there for this evening. Any questions? in the beginning maybe like in your summary of what's to come the maintenance of the living entities is part one of the ten subjects of the Srimad Bhagavatam so if we look to the second canto tenth chapter first verse we have that verse atra sarga visargas cha stanam posadam utaya so stanam is the maintenance In other words, that's one of the topics of the Bhagavatam, that the Supreme Lord makes arrangements for all living entities. Okay. So we'll stop there for this evening. Thank you so much.